0: Now, from the Paxa Studios in downtown Honolulu, the sports animals in the morning on ESPN Honolulu. Good morning. Time to get to it with the Sports Animals. This is ESPN Honolulu. Happy to be back home in Hawaii, but I really am really saddened by when I woke up this morning and I saw the news of Russ Francis passing away. Oh, that, that's I didn't really know Russ Francis other than a, you know, a how's it nod or, you know, that kind of thing. Once in a while, we took some photos uh, uh, kind of acting like we were wrestling when remember when uh, Billy and Ed were running Pinky's Bar and right. over there in Iki, that it was, it was the last time I saw him. It was years and years ago. But such sad news to hear about Russ Francis. And um, yeah, oh,
1: we lost a we lost one of Hawaii's um, one of Hawaii's sports heroes. Man, yeah, that's yeah. I saw yeah. the news late last night, and I was stunned. I had to give a double take on that about him uh, passing away in a plane crash. Uh, that was just incredible. I didn't obviously you don't expect anything like that and really, really saddened by it. And I think everybody in the Hawaii sports world or even the NFL world around the country hearing this news, uh, you're seeing a lot of tributes for, for him around the country. And yeah, it just really uh, puts things in perspective. And it's just really, really sad. So sad about this.
0: What kind of uh, things are they saying about around the main Are you going off of uh, social media? Are you yeah. going off of television? Yeah. Uh, ESPN
1: and of? stuff like that, where they're just saying what a great player he was, what a great teammate so, he was, what a great friend he was, what a great person he was.
0: I didn't see, you know, at ESPN, I was a little, you know, he was one of Hawaii's big sports heroes who made it big. At least in my generation, everybody was so enamored with Russ Francis. Howard Cosell, Monday Night Football. It was the same when Sid Fernandez was playing Major League Baseball, at least for our generation, uh, the tail end of the baby boomers. And, you know, I, I didn't think that, you know, the headline that I read and after I thought about it was former Pro Bowl tight end Francis dies in plane crash. You know, and he was good. He made it to three Pro Bowls. What did he play for fourteen years? Something like that? Yeah. I believe so. He played a long time. And um it was it I just thought that maybe um along with the echo that I'm hearing in my headphones again, Gary, if you could turn your headphones down. You know, the the I just thought it would they would paint a bigger picture of what a great football player he was. What do you mean by a bigger picture a bigger picture? I mean that um maybe he was a bigger hero to Hawaii than the rest of the NFL. No. I I'm, I'm not sure. You know, I mean, cuz he was great for us. And I, just sidebar, I remember uh him telling us one time that he was kind of a pain in the butt to Bill Walsh. Uh he, you know, they didn't want him doing things like body surfing or you know, flying planes and, and things like that and he would, uh, there was, I don't know if this is true or not, but they said that he used to fly to practice and land his plane in the parking lot when he played in <laughs> wow. San Francisco. But, uh, you know, he definitely, he definitely did march to the beat of a different drum when it comes to professional um, athletes that we hear about today. I mean, he he did his own thing. And you know what? Hawaii was, Hawaii was so proud of um, Russ Francis. And when he came back. You know, to town, especially in his wrestling days. I mean, he was always a hero. Russ Francis was always larger than life. And uh, it's, it's I don't know, I, I, I wonder if there's something we could do here in Hawaii to honor uh, Russ Francis. Now, it says here that his, uh, in the ESPN article, that his brother wrote, my older brother Russ Francis was just killed in an airplane crash in Lake Placid, New York. Says Francis's older brother Ed. So was that? So is Billy Francis? I'm wondering. Is Billy is Billy a nickname? And Ed was named after his dad. Uh, you know, Ed Francis Senior. I wonder if anyone knows that. I was just curious.
1: Yeah, not sure about that part, but I mean, just to—I mean—as a brother to have to experience something like that. I mean, so sudden. It wasn't like you know he was having suffering from an illness or anything. His plane took off, and he loved to be in the air. Uh, that is one of the things that was written about him as well. He loved to fly. Uh, I think he would. I mean, think, think he even did some hang gliding back in the day or things like that. He was just really active and. Uh, Without knowing any of that details of that, which is kind of irrelevant right now, it's just, again, when you have sudden news like that, unexpected, totally out of nowhere, I can just imagine what the family is feeling. And, of course, our thoughts and prayers to the family. And, again, just really shocking, sad, sad news when you first see, see that headline last night or early this morning.
0: Yeah, you know what? Would you rather live to 102 or would you rather live full-blown, pedal to the metal, and go to 70? I think Russ Francis went out on his terms in a sure. plane. Now, it, when you read further, he was not flying the plane. Uh, it was the guy he was with, and the guy he was with was like a, a you know a former Thunderbird pilot or the head of all the Thunderbirds. But whatever happened, I you know I'm sure they're going to do you know the FAA is going to do some kind of big investigation right. and find out you know what happened. Those things tend to take a long, long time. But the you know we usually start with the top things you need to know, and there's a lot you need to know on Monday mornings, of course especially with uh football and rainbow wahine volleyball and the soccer going on uh lahaina luna historic football win for that school over the weekend but to um, wake up with russ francis i'd love folks to text in at 808-296-1420 on maybe some of your um maybe russ francis memories uh that would be cool i mean i don't want to make the whole show a, a memorial to russ francis but Heck, this is, you know, again, I'll say it for our generation, uh, my generation, it's, it's. I mean, this is a guy that uh, he was larger than life, and he was a big hero. I wish there's something we could do as maybe not, a, if it's not a state, uh, as a city, something to honor Russ Francis.
1: Yeah, it'd be nice to have people share their memories or the recollections of his career and watching him play. Uh, that would be nice to hear. Again, he had so many great accomplishments. And uh, again, a lot of people besides people in Hawaii who are maybe more aware of him are aware of Russ Francis in the NFL and what he accomplished and the teams he spent time with. Seen uh, tweets from Jesse Sapolu uh, really honoring Russ Francis, his friend and former teammate. And uh, yeah, it yeah, just really hits home, unfortunately. All right.
0: You know, maybe there's something the uh, Patriots or 49ers could do uh, this season for Russ Francis. Again, I don't know if it's, it's, we just see him in in our lens as, you know, this great, great player. I made three pro bowls, but it's just the headline gets me for folks on the mainland where it's former pro bowl, tight end, Russ Francis. And I would think it would be for us. It's enough to just say Russ Francis, right? But but the headlines is, hey, uh, folks, there was this tight end back in the 70s and 80s who passed away. I think that's what, um, that's what saddened me a little bit. But Wink is calling in at 808-296-1420. This isn't Wink Martindale, is it? Uh, no, it's not. <laughs> you know, Isn't the Baltimore Ravens uh, defensive coordinator? I don't know if he's still there. Wasn't his name Wink? He's with the Giants now. Yeah. No. Oh.
2: Well, right. thank you for calling. Go ahead, Wake. Uh, I grew up in Kailua. Uh. So I knew Russ and Bill real well from Kailua High School. Uh, my uncle was a cop during the war, and his partner was Lucky Simonovich. So he used to get to his, all the wrestling. And when I lived in the Bay Area, Russell, when he was playing for the Niners, I lived out in the East Bay. He used to have a P-51 Mustang in Livermore, and he mm-hmm. loved skydiving. So... I think That's you guys right. are pretty right. If he was going to, if he was, I keep in touch with Ed Junior, and uh, if there was any way he was going to go out, this is probably the most fitting.
0: Yeah, is Ed Junior Ed? So Ed Junior is not Billy.
2: No, no, Billy oh, okay. I think is on Maui. Ed is in, Ed Junior is in Oregon. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, no, uh, there was like three or four brothers and one or two sisters, or I think five kids. And they lived across from uh, Castle Hospital. Oh, wow. Okay. Right there in the Olomana area uh, then. Right. And then uh, halfway through Russ's junior year at Kailua, they moved to Pleasant Pleasant Hill, Oregon. And that's where he graduated from high school. Uh, And uh, I answered a trivia question. What record did Russ Francis hold? And everybody thought it was football. It turned out he held a high school javelin throw for 23 years. I vaguely wow. remember that, that. And, uh,
0: I've, yeah
2: pardon me I vaguely remember that yeah that was that was yeah it wasn't football. <laughs> it was track and field and the javelin toss but
3: uh,
2: <laughs> uh, yeah and then he was of course a duck so uh, but yeah, it's unfortunate and uh he he loved flying absolutely yeah. loved it so yeah it was a wild ride in this T 51 mustang i'll tell you <laughs> <laughs> oh thank
0: you for sharing your memories wink we really appreciate it Thanks. have a great week and really you know we're sorry for his loss uh his friend uh russ francis i didn't know there were so many brothers and sisters we all think of just billy francis and russ francis maybe because it was uh you know those guys shared the ring together but um yeah if you have any thoughts on Russ Francis um, uh, you can text us at 808-296-1420 uh just a sad sad thing but you know what uh again the guy lived full throttle from 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 day 1 to age 70 that's you know and and he
1: died doing what he loved uh being in the air wasn't it uh, Howard Cosell who gave him the title all world yes. right I mean, that's just a lot right there, right? You know, you hear stuff like that. We did get a text uh, from one of our listeners who says, uh, let me get, pull it up here, saying Russ Francis was a big reason this Hawaii boy became a lifelong Patriots fan starting around 1975. And he even texted about Howard Cosell, nicknamed him All World because he was such a great player. He lived in Kailua recently, and I spoke with him a few times. Really nice guy. Rest in peace, Big Russ. All right, yeah. And you know what?
0: Just his the size and athleticism, of russ francis and you didn't see guys who were athletes in the you know in the 70s like russ francis i mean that guy was just it was a, a man amongst boys playing football i mean it was an imposing sight to see a guy like that he was you know he was from that new breed of tight end that started coming up around that time where they weren't just like I don't know, John Mackey or somebody who's just <laughs> yeah. there to you know, I mean, well, that's a John Mackey's a bad example. Um but, you know, guys who are just there mainly to block. I mean, this guy was uh, you know, an extra wide receiver. I'm not sure if he was known as a great blocker in the NFL, but boy, what an athlete he was. I mean, he was six six and could run and could jump and could uh you know, do anything you wanted. I mean he was way before his time, right. as far as an athlete um, uh, on the NFL gridiron. He was playing for the Patriots at the same time as Mosi Tatupu. Now Tatupu gra- ju- Yeah, was he still there when Mosi was there? Because Mosi graduated from high school in '74, so he would have been '78, uh, been a fullback and a special teams ace for the. Yeah, Russ was still there to have Russ uh, to have Mosi Tatupu. And Russ Francis on an NFL football team. So this wasn't just our regular Rockney Freitas's or Charlie Anais or you know the great linemen we've had from Hawaii. We had guys in skill positions. Ikaika uh, Lama Francis's dad, you'll remember in the '60s, he was a quarterback in the NFL, but unfortunately he was a backup to um, Bart Starr. Right. So the guys that we the guys that uh, we usually saw in the NFL we just, you know, a bunch of big offensive linemen. Sometimes you had some defensive linemen, but um, at that time in the '70s, where NFL football—excuse uh, me, Monday Night Football—was catching fire, right? I mean, they they came up with this thing. Let's call it NFL football. We'll get a, we'll get Howard Cosell and a couple of drunk announcers next to him, <laughs> yeah. right? And they would do these the, the broadcast, and you know, football really became uh america's sport uh, during that time of kind of a television revolution and russ francis was a guy that you could catch and yeah that whole all world thing that howard cosell started i wish that we all remember that very very well but in most of the coverage that's coming out from ap or espn or anything else doesn't mention the all world thing that's something that when howard cosell started referring to him as all world it's something that kind
1: of warmed our hearts, I think, as sports fans here in Hawaii. Definitely. Do you know offhand what was a Alama Francis? Are they related? Who? To Russ Francis. No, no. I, I was mentioning a dad was at the Packers. I know. But I'm There's an oh. I'm just no. wondering if there was any relation, though. Though.
0: No, Russ Francis's family is from the mainland. I mean, excuse yeah, yeah. Ed Francis came from like the East Coast or something like that. By the way, Ed Francis got a great book on wrestling. You should check that out. Anyway, thank you guys for calling and texting in on that. I hate to start on a sad note, but I think it's it's uh, it, it was the right thing to do with yeah. today's radio show. University, a lot of um, things you need to know heading into uh, we'll head into that coming up next. University of Hawaii football on the road at UNLV. Lahaina Luna comes back in an historic game. You heard it here on ESPN Honolulu. And they beat Baldwin 42 to nothing. What a fitting return uh, for that football team uh, to the uh, gridiron. Rainbow Wahine rebounded. They rebounded and swept San Diego on Saturday. And uh, Coach Bud and the Rainbow Wahine soccer team drop a drop a close one to UC Irvine. That and more coming up. John Venneri on his reaction to the Rainbow Warriors' performance over the weekend. All coming up with the animals on ESPN Honolulu. And if you'd like to win an extra $1,000 cash, get on over to ESPNHonolulu.com. You can play pigskin picks.
1: Maybe you could be the leader, like one of the uh, hosts on this radio show. Uh, speak again as of right now. I'm not sure if that's quite the case.
0: Yeah, uh, we'll see. I mean, I'm just going off of last week. One of these announcers was in first place, and the other announcer was in last place. Yeah, that was last week. I'll let you do three the math. Weeks into the season. How are you doing fantasy football, by the way? I'll get to I don't know. I didn't <laughs> check. Let me know. Uh, because it is, um, you know, kind of fun. Anyway, um, Pigskin Picks, $1,000 cash, grand prize, win $100 weekly in prizes, or $100, um, it's brought to you by M. Dyer Global and Young's Fish Market. You can register and play right away at ESPNHonolulu.com.
1: Last night I dreamt I was returning And my heart
0: Oh, shout-out to Kavika Hallams. He was a, <laughs> a, a Texan. Joe Francis is Ikaika Lama Francis' dad. I couldn't okay. remember his first name. Joe Francis. And uh, Ikaika says, Pro City High's finest. All right, there you go. Kaviks, had a, have a good day out there today and stay safe. As we move on with things you need to know, uh, I'm sure you found out by now that the University of Hawaii Football team went on the road and and uh, got a ooh, it was a tough loss, tough loss to UNLV. By the way, um, we did run into some people up in Las Vegas asking about the Timmy Chang show, and um, it we're not going to have the Timmy Chang show this week. Coaches are staying on the mainland and recruiting, I believe. I think that's why. So sorry about that. I told a couple of people. I hope you guys are listening, but if you guys can spread the word. Spread the word on the Coconut Wireless and uh, let everybody know. No call the coach uh, at Ruby Tuesday this week. Um, And then it's a buy. And then next week, uh, you know, next uh,
1: Wednesday, we'll have one. So there you go. Back in action for the uh, Timmy Chang show. Sure. Yeah, as far as the loss on Saturday... We know UNLV was a good team coming into that game. We saw that they are legit. That is a good football team. I didn't expect Hawaii to play as poorly as they did, especially in that first half. I mean, it was almost reminiscent of the week before against New Mexico State, three points at halftime, late push in the second half. Unfortunately, this time it fell a little short because UNLV, again, a pretty good football team. Stopping the run, I, I, I would not have expected UNLV to run for 307 yards.
0: Well, you know what? They had fresh legs. What did they play, about 10 running backs? They had fresh legs all day long, and that D. Jesus was – that's a special college football player right there.
1: They were good, but still Hawaii defensively uh, – again, they talked about it after the game that you know UNLV did something. They gave so many different looks. That was maybe more in their defensive side. But offensively, they didn't really – try to throw the ball Uh, Jaden maiavo is not a passer at one point i think at halftime he had thrown less than 10 passes and he only ended up with 21 in the game but they just ran the ball early and often and it was just so effective getting those big holes and hawaii could not do anything to stop that or even close that gap yeah well i mean would you start
0: passing the ball if you could run at will (laughs) no nobody would but that's kind of what what they do again they i don't how many how many running backs got to carry in that game for uh,
1: UNLV? I think there was seven. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I and mean, one of them is a receiver, so maybe it's a little bit less. Maybe a six. Oh, that guy was that, that kind of end around that they did. Yeah, and um, Mayava was one. was actually five running backs, I guess, overall. But still, they were effective. And it wasn't just one guy. It was a few, like you said, that got right. the job done for them.
0: We couldn't stop any of uh, any of those those running backs. Again, they played smash-mouth football. It's not something you're used to seeing from UNLV. Plain and simple. Hawaii's got to tackle better on yes. defense. Uh, Hawaii, you know what? I mean, we don't have – and you know what? They played that go-go offense. I was watching the replay uh, on television last night and preparing for today's show. And that go- they were kind of a hurry-up offense, too. Right, right. And that's, and that's you know – if you're if you're just leaning on our guys, if your three thirty guys are leaning on our two seventy five guys for an entire game and Hawaii can't uh substitute as fast as they'd like, maybe, we're gonna see what happened. But that's a great lesson to be learned for the
1: coaching staff. How do you defend against that? One way is to tackle better. And you know, <laughs> people bring that up, you know, about defensive coordinator Jacob Yoro, is it hit on him? I don't think it because is. They're obviously teaching the proper technique, and it wasn't just on Saturday. We've seen this for the last several games. New Mexico State, another example. Um, they, re- they rushed the ball really effectively in the first half, not as much in the second two weeks ago. But Hawaii just you know trying to wrap people up or diving at people. I mean, Cam Stone even made an attempt at a tackle on a pass play that should have been about a 10-yard uh, gain, and it turned to, to about a 35-40-yard Game. Uh, again, I give him credit for trying. The effort was there, but he was diving. And I mean, even but if he, he had, was
0: trying to rap, I know what player yeah, you're talking yeah, about.
1: He yeah. was trying to rap. He just couldn't. I mean, the guy was, you know, the guy was out of his reach, really. There were just too many plays where they were getting a lot of space. And Hawaii had several of those big plays where they missed tackles. And it just, you know, skyrocketed for UNLV. Just nothing in the third quarter changed as far as Hawaii being able to minimize them or stop them or slow them down like they did the week before. I give credit to UNLV. That's a good football team, as we said. Uh, Still, I thought Hawaii was going to give a better performance overall. And I I know the offensive line struggled once again. Uh, Shager got sacked six times. And that's obviously too many. He was three for the last two games each game that he only got sacked three times. Way too many on Saturday. And there were times when he did have time to throw. There were some plays like that. And in the first half when that occurred, it seemed like he was overthrowing some of his receivers, especially some of those deep routes. Second half a little bit better with the McBride and Alex Perry on those throws. Still, it just you got you never really got the sense until to me at least when they got back to thirty to twenty late third I think where they really had a chance because UNLV like you said was kind of moving the ball at will or running the ball at will and right. Hawaii did not have an answer well, for that even in the second half.
0: Hawaii he's uh, coming out of the sec in the second half. Hawaii stopped him on a three and out, and then I believe we scored. What you're talking about, the 30-20, to 20, I believe, wasn't that, that was early fourth quarter. Same okay. thing, doesn't really, doesn't really matter, it's just semantics. But part of the problem is, in this game, when you just kind of look at the paper, that Hawaii didn't really have the ball in the second and third quarter. That's what did Hawaii in. You see, we we they are who we thought they were. In the famous words of Denny Green, we knew we could pick apart their defensive backs and we did. It's why Shager was throwing long so many times. Um but when you did score or if you uh you know you didn't connect like a lot of incomplete passes in the first quarter, uh it was three and out. Your defense not only not only is on the field for oh I don't know. They had in two quarters they had the, what, they were off the field for 7 minutes of playing time. The defense in the second and third quarter roughly they were basically off the field for only seven minutes. So you're out there play after play after play. They're running it down your throat. It's it's it it is what it is. I'd like to see if they can do that against other teams, uh, UNLV, because you always want the team you're playing to you always want the team you're playing to, you know, be undefeated for right. the rest of the season. Right. But you know, they it was it was you know what? When you look at when you go back and look at the stats like we're doing this morning. Or you uh, check out a replay of the game and maybe look at some of the notes from the game. You look at it and put it all together and go, yep, that'll result in a 44-20 to 20 loss.
1: And I think one of the ones that stands out to me, one of the first things I saw, we talked about it during the week last week, that you and I always look at a lot of things, including third down conversion. Hawaii, one for 11. Yeah. One for that, 11, UNLV, eight for 15.
0: You know, and that was what we said going into the game. I and mean, we each kind of had our own take. Uh, I said it as well and and uh, you heard the folks from uh, Mountain West wire say it as well if Hawaii is going to win that game, they've got to convert on third down and we couldn't get her done and one it's... third down conversion for an entire game yeah again if you want to and I don't want to go broad picture yet but if the, I've said it all day on Friday I said it all day on Thursday I said it all before we left for Las Vegas. If you want to win football games in the Mountain West Conference, you have to score more than 20 points a game. Sorry to bring it up again, but that's what happened on offense. John Veneri is going to join us next on ESPN Honolulu.
1: Talk a little bit more about University of Hawaii football's tough loss on Saturday, and of course, a bye week coming up. Joining us now on ESPN, Honolulu play-by-play voice for University of Hawaii football on ESPN, Honolulu, John uh-huh. Veneri, on the show. John, good to talk to you again. It's been a while. When uh, uh. you've had time to reflect on Saturday, the game at least, what stands out to you the most?
3: uh Braden shager being sacked six times again mm. and and uh. I mean, to be honest like he was hit so many more times I, it's just frustrating because you know while a lot of people talk oh is it the offensive line is it Braden holding the ball too long is it the receivers running uh the wrong routes i think it's a combination of all of it and then you know and and that's what it leads to it it leads to a, a a banged up quarterback, and thank goodness we have a bye week this week because I think they'll get a lot of guys healthy going up to San Diego State.
0: Yeah, you know, I mentioned that I, I was uh, to Gary earlier, I was watching the replay of the football game, which is cool because before, if we lost the game, they never replayed it, right? Remember that? Anyway, yeah. so the, I was watching, and I think Kavika Hallams mentioned in the post game show, what, he got hit like 15 times total.
3: Yeah. It's a lot. That hurts. That hurts. Yeah. I mean, literally. I mean, you know, he's going to be probably sitting in the cold whirlpool today um, and and trying to ice down some of the bruises. But, uh, you know, I mean, the whole team is bruised and banged up. And and, and it's unfortunate because, you know... you think of you and LV as a middle of the road team in the mountain West conference. And, and then we lost to them, you know, it's, so it's, it's, I know they're doing better. They're four and one. I don't know how well they'll finish the season. They, they run, they, they run that offense pretty good behind Mayava, And, and, and I think their defense did some things, but I think we, we again shot ourselves in the foot again with mm. untimely penalties. And while there weren't a ton of yards on the penalties, there were penalties that hurt us. And then there were, you know, there's the six sacks, there's, there were, again, some bright spots. Hawaii just can't seem to put together four quarters of football. I was hoping that the team that we saw against New Mexico State in the second half would show up for an entire four quarters. We talked about this, and they just weren't there.
0: Yeah, part of the problem is we didn't even get the ball, basically, in the second and third quarters. And, And, you know, one of the keys to victory, if you will, was third down conversions, and we had one all game, huh?
3: Yeah, I mean, that, that's another thing. You know, the, the three and outs, the third-down conversions, the, the the penalties, the, the drop passes, the the, miss, the miscues, the sacks. I mean, if you think about all the times that the quarterback was hit when he threw, and that made the ball go somewhere else, that was another, you know, that's a whole other situation. So it's just, it's just one thing after another, and, it, and it's frustrating because they were able to run on us
0: pretty well. University of Hawaii play-by-play voice John Venneri with the Animals this morning on ESPN Honolulu.
1: John, I want to get back to the point about Braden Shager maybe holding on to the ball too long, because a lot of people keep bringing that up. And with the running shoot, how it used to be with Colt Brennan, and I'm not—I don't think anybody should compare Braden to Colt Brennan. But how he would lead the receiver, throw it to where the receiver is going to be. So when he is holding on to it as long as he has, and you said it's kind of a combination of different aspects of it, is it—is it the receiver's responsibility as far as or the fault maybe as far as him holding on to the ball as long as he has? Uh, specify that part first.
3: Well, that that was always in question, right? And then I think one of uh, somebody asked it on one of the Timmy Chang show uh, questions, and 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 uh, Coach Chang, while you know being his best at uh, trying to be uh, you know unbiased and, and somewhat somewhat political, yeah, he he you know he said that. Yes, Braden's holding on to it a little bit too long, but I think we've talked about this. So we've seen enough of the football uh, games and, and enough from Braden Shager, both in practice and and in the games, to know that the thing about Colt Brennan, Bryant Moniz, Cole McDonald, Timmy Chang, um, you, they threw the receivers open. Mm. If you can understand that, we've been talking yes. about this. They throw uh-huh. the receivers open, and so they're throwing it into a spot where the receivers aren't and where they need to go. And right now what I'm seeing is receivers, one, they're not going there. Two, they're not seeing enough to go there. And three, uh, yes, Braden Shager seems to be – this is just – I'm not a coach. I'm I'm just seeing what I see. And I think he's holding on to it a little bit long and somewhat tentative because he's afraid to throw the interceptions. And while interceptions have gone down with the number of passes we've had, it's still, the, the quality of the passes haven't been there. Now you see Kuali Nishigaya coming underneath, and those have been great because some of the short passes are high-percentage passes. Some yeah. of those quick-out routes, some of those slant routes, some of those drag-across-the-middle routes, those are high-percentage. And while we would love to see more of that, defenses are coming keen to that. So, of course, when you be, when you have some success in those routes, they're going to move their guys up, or at least the linebackers, into those holes. And so throwing a guy open means finding those holes as both a quarterback and a receiver. And I don't think they're just on the same page enough to get there yet.
0: You know, I thought that, you know, all of those long passes because they were going man to man, I thought those were good offensive play calls. I mean, one thing we saw is that, you know, Braden Shakers, that guy's got an arm. He does. And that's why they they, they coined
3: the term Shaker bombs, right? He's, right? He obviously can get it there. Now I think, I think though, to a certain degree, his, his receivers were coming open. They were getting on top of the defense, right? So he, they had time. He had time to throw it. But I think he was also rushing his throw. I think he might have been a little feel, like feeling the pressure of having to get rid of it. And so, whether you know, you overthrow a guy, right? Because maybe one, you're throwing it too early, right? Mm-hmm. Or right. or you're under pressure while you're throwing it. And so, I think. Maybe that split second would have been the connection. Instead, he's throwing it a split second too soon. Whether it's off his back foot or he's trying to get rid of it too quick because he's feeling pressure. We, we you know, I don't know. It would be a great question for Coach Timmy Chang. But, um, you know, and we'll ask it maybe next week after the bye week. They're out recruiting, so it's, those, these are great questions for him uh, when we get back together. Joe, right.
0: So what Joe, we should mention. Uh, that uh, There is, again, if folks didn't hear it, there is no Timmy Chang show this week. Uh, coaches are staying on the mainland recruiting. Go ahead, Gary.
1: John, there were some similarities in Saturday's game with the, as the New Mexico State game the week before. The score in the first half, 20-3 to Saturday, 17-3 the week before. Hawaii made some good adjustments against New Mexico State. What happened in the third quarter? I know, again, I know UNLV's a better team, but they made any adjustments that you could see in that second half to try to slow that offense down.
3: Well, I think what, what we uh, what we saw was they were they were putting a lot more pressure and filling the gaps a little bit. You know, uh, um, as far as Hawaii's defense, and then on offense, they were we were able to um, connect on some of the short high, high percentage routes that we were talking about, and then of course, uh, you know, you've got the, the long touchdown, and then you know, it, it, it seemed like the third quarter might have been a thing. But Coach Timmy Chang talked about this, and he knows it, and everybody else knows it too. You can't start you can't start slow. You just yeah. can't start slow. And Once Hawaii went three and out on its first series, you were thinking to yourself, oh, no, here we go again. And it was kind of that, that whole same thing. Like you said, 20-3 to three in the first half. Once you find yourself down like that, you're, you're just in trouble. And I think there's, there's, a, there's a period of, of a feeling out type of period, you know. You're trying to figure out what the other team is going come to come throw at you. But I think in this case, Hawaii actually kind of knew they were going to put three guys in the box they did, in fact, move people around in that first half. And so I thought, I think they, they expected them to come out with a certain defense that New Mexico State came out with. But they weren't quite sure exactly what it would be. And I think that feeling out period got a little too long for Hawaii. And then they found themselves down 20-3. to three.
1: What about the defense and maybe the lack of tackling, maybe more specifically the lack of technique in trying to tackle? And it wasn't just last week uh, or last Saturday. It was the week before we saw a lot of that as well.
3: Well, I mean, let's not let's not forget that the other team is playing too. They have some athletes. <laughs> and they got some guys they got they have some guys that can run. So if they're going to choke you out of your shorts or get you at a play, point where you're diving and your arm tackling, that's bad. You want to be able to shoulder up a guy and get into position and so I think Hawaii uh, a couple times had the right position but weren't able to pull him down. And then other times they weren't in the right position and they were diving at legs. So that's bad. You know, that's
0: bad. Where are we as far as uh, injuries go? Who got hurt in that game? I don't expect to hear what you know inside information, but who got banged up? I mean, is, is everyone? I don't know. Well, taking... I mean, we saw
3: we saw Landon Sims, we saw Tylan Hines. Those are guys that were banged up. Um, you know, Nalu Emerson didn't play or make the trip. Jonah Pinoki was. It was said that he would be um, that he he was not on the travel roster, and he that, you know he was still hampered from a. Uh, from a hamstring tweak that he did that he you know he pulled the hamstring before Vanderbilt then he tweaked it again two weeks later oh. and so they wanted to give him another couple weeks before bringing him back although he made the trip it was because it was a family thing for him mm. um, he ended up coming up but uh, as far as some injuries I, I, I don't get I didn't get any reports of any major injuries from anybody I'm sure there were a couple because we saw some guys down but a couple of times it were it was the UNLV guys so I haven't gotten an injury report, and I'm sure we'll find out a little bit later as, as the week goes on, but this is a great time. I don't. I can't remember uh, six weeks in or six games into a season that we had a bye week, unless we had two bye weeks way back when, but right. to have a bye week now is kind of a good time, I would think.
0: Yeah, that sometimes we get it like three weeks in, or you know, two weeks out left in the season. Yeah, this is the perfect time because you could because you could go down the list and and name a guy. You know, Cam Stone,
4: Del Edwards,
3: Nalu Emerson. You know, the, you know, I'm sure I, I'm sure even the starters. You know, there's a there's a bunch of dings on the offensive line. There, you know, there's there's a ton of injuries. Um, uh, you know, they they, they they I used to get asked, is it is it are you hurt or are you just are you are you <laughs> Are you injured or are you just sore? You know that those kinds of things. You know, I'd right. like, well, I think a lot of these guys are playing sore, um, and some of them have injuries. So hopefully, they can get some stuff back and get going. I'm sure they'll have, uh, with the coaches out on recruiting, they're they're recruiting the uh, the junior colleges right now. So um, with the coaches out recruiting junior colleges, uh, that gives some time for these guys to get into the cold whirlpool and get some treatment.
0: Right, and I like the J- the JC route here at this point because we need some help. We need some help fast, and you know what. Uh, on our deep we forget about we shouldn't forget about Logan Taylor as uh, you know right. a, a huge yeah. loss on the defense. I think Absolutely, Logan... and, and not only on the defense, but he's also the guy that provided the
3: juice. He provides the juice at home on the sideline. You know, he's right. he's yelling and 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 getting these guys fired up, even though he's he himself can't get on the field. And and so yeah, and we'll, we'll also wait to find out whether or not we can get a year back from him.
1: You know, one bright spot, I know you're looking for wins, obviously, but it was great to see Tylen Hines back on the field, and especially in that first half, I thought he had some really significant and strong carries and even caught a couple of passes.
3: Oh, you know, I agree. I agree to have the, the options back there because he does provide a little bit of a, a, a difference um, in the backfield. But here's the thing, and I, and I, and I kind of mentioned this. It was off air, but I mentioned this in just conversations up there, that, you know, it, it's, it's becoming a little too readable. You bring Solo Vaipulu in, it's going to be a pass. You bring Tylen Hines, it's likely going to be a run. You bring in Jordan Johnson, it's likely going to be a run. Mm. You bring in Landon Sims, you yeah. don't really know because he can block and run. So it becomes a little more it, – it's, it's starting to become a little readable, you know. It's, and 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 unless you hand the ball off a couple times to Solo Vaipulu, you, you have to keep a guy's – honest and and there were too many times where solo was in to protect and they needed it because he had already been sacked five times in the first half and so he was getting touched a ton of times and you need the extra protection back there but it's then you start to draw, see defenses rush only three and drop everybody into coverage and that becomes a difficult task for receivers to read those open holes and to, and do what we were talking about earlier which is what braden needs to do is throw those guys open you've got all those guys in coverage there's not a lot of openings
0: Right. All right, Mark uh John. I would I did it again. John, thank you very much. Uh th- it was nice seeing you on the trip and uh, great call as always. Have a great week. We'll talk to you later. Thanks, John. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Uh, all right, man. There he is. The voice of Rainbow Warrior football right here on ESPN Honolulu. Mark Veneri, uh calling the game. It's seven forty nine. Did I say it again? Yes. <laughs> I, I just said it. I can't I don't know why I c I can't help myself. Uh okay. Uh coming up on ESPN Honolulu, we'll take your texts at 808-296-1420 on the Zephyr Insurance text line. Uh here's a um wanna let you know if you want to catch some NFL games. The Lookout Food and Drink at Waikai and Eva Beach is the place to go. Their doors open early on Sundays at six thirty AM. you can get happy hour prices on poo poo and drinks in the afternoon for Monday and Thursday night football. Now, Even if your team is losing, at least you can enjoy the breeze, the ocean view, the beach setting. It's a great place to check it out. Different place to check out football. Anyway, we'll be right back on ESPN Honolulu. Mm -hmm. ESPN Honolulu. 92.7 FM. At 1420 AM, going to the Zephyr Insurance text line. Thank you guys for listening this morning. Good to be back home. Uh, This texter says, hey, Chris, brah, can you please stop referring to offensive line as the unskilled? Tell a tackle having to block Bosa that he's unskilled. How about centers who make all the calls? Update your reference, Chris. The fat and skilled
1: are depending on you. Best text of the day. I couldn't agree more. I'm joking. I don't think that refers to you. I don't think you've said anything like that. You know, we don't
0: talk much about the NFL on this show because it's basically done 23 hours a day right now. We like to talk about UH sports, walking volleyball, and stuff like that. So I don't know what this texter is talking about. It's something that didn't come out of my mouth.
1: No, I think he has be beat an offensive
0: lineman. Why would I call offe- a former offensive lineman? Why would I call offensive lineman unskilled? Okay, well, thank you for listening. Um, <laughs> to not this show, <laughs> thank you for listening to something else. Uh, Rich from IA says it's never good to lose to your ninth island rivals, but honestly, this has should have been expected as an 11 point underdog. The utterly poor offensive play, uh, line play all season is compromising everything on that side of the ball. Five sacks allowed in one half is deplorable. Hard to blame the QBs, wide receivers, and running backs until the line is fixed. That's just half of the text, but you get the gist.
1: I think he's got a point though. Uh and I again I know people were blaming Shager. We talked to John Veneri about, you know, Braden holding not, on to I'm... the ball pretty long. But the opposite
0: but it's line not is every where play. it starts <laughs> That's what when people say he's holding on to the ball. Are you watching the game? He's not holding the ball too long every time he goes back to pass. No, but it is often. I think it's more of a problem. It's more of a problem when he's throwing over the middle, and all of those passes are behind the players. Like uh, everyone's been saying, you included, Gary, is a guy that is not throwing his receivers open. He's throwing to his receivers, and the balls, a couple of balls, have been behind him, especially on those slants.
1: I think though I, I think especially in the New Mexico State game though he was hitting the guys over the middle a lot. I think that's what led to their success in that second half. But no, the pa- defense led to the success in the second half. But his passing game got a lot stronger in that second half. I mean they scored uh, seventeen points or or twenty points in that second half, whatever it was. Uh, again, he was, I think he was doing a good job of those passes across the middle. But, yeah, uh, again, he has missed a couple of guys, too. You're not sure if it's the receiver's fault. I do know against UNLV on Saturday, especially in the first half, a lot of those missed passes were overthrows. Right, and you heard John explain why. Yeah, uh, but still, he, he's missing players, and he's rushing. Sometimes you get the pressure, and he has to throw it. But some right. of those, he had he was, he was had time, and he still was overthrowing some of those receivers. And yeah, UNOV was dropping more guys back, only putting three in the box, as he said. Still, you, you, you some of those guys were open enough where I think he could have hit some of them. I'm not putting it all on him. I think he has way too much blame right, right now with what's going on. Yeah, what John said was they're bringing the linebackers up.
0: So they, they never rushed three. They always rushed four. Uh, in that game but yeah they were bringing up the linebackers and that's why we're we're able to uh, throw the shaker bombs down the field but hey we'll have more on this and uh, get your thoughts in the zephyr insurance text line uh getting to um um kind of a make good for the rainbow wahine too coming up this is espn honolulu
1: Our number two of the Sports Animals on this Monday morning on ESPN. Honolulu, Gary Dickman and Chris Hart. Here are three things you need to know. We talked about this in the first hour. Unfortunate news, uh, really sad to hear late last night or early this morning about the passing of Russ Francis in a plane crash in Lake Placid, New York. Uh, Came out of nowhere, obviously. Totally uh, stunning news and really sad uh, way to start the work week hearing about a great player, and obviously a lot of fond memories from people here in Hawaii about Russ Francis.
0: Yeah, it was. It's sad because for uh, kind of us at the edge of the baby boomers, he was truly, truly, truly a hero. He uh, passed away at 70 years old, but um, great memories of Russ Francis um, athletically. Also, kind of as a, uh, a politician, he was a pilot, he was a um, he was not a hang glider. He was a what do you sky call skydiver. Sky yeah. He was a skydiver. I mean the guy did it all. He lived pedal to the metal. Uh we remember Russ Francis. Hopefully there's something the city or the state can do to honor uh Russ Francis. I think a lot of sports fans would really appreciate that.
1: For University of Hawaii teams, uh, the volleyball team bounced back from being swept on Friday at Long Beach State. Didn't expect that, but Saturday night at UC San Diego, they get the sweep. So good news for them, at least, as they get ready for a homestand coming up. Fullerton, one of the teams coming in this week, where football loses 44-20. to Soccer, unfortunately, loses to last year's Big West champs. UC Irvine was a close game at home, one to nothing all right so going back to the volleyball game uh with the rainbow wahine that was one of those short
0: ones uh hawaii sweeps 25 18 16 and 17 it was one of those hour and a half matches good to get those on the road because san diego is not a poor program i mean they're not one of your leaders in the uh, big west conference but uh that's nice to see
1: that's the way to bounce back before you're heading on home and I would expect that's pretty tough when you're playing on the road, traveling almost 3,000 miles, and you play one match on Friday in one city, and then you got to go to another one 24 hours later. I don't know. It's, I know it's not that far, maybe San Diego from Long Beach, but it's far enough. that's got to be a little bit tougher Hawaii. All right,
0: and the Rainbow Wahine soccer team they fall one to nothing, and uh, it was you know that's last year that's last year's defending champ in uh, UC Irvine. So I mean. You know, we don't talk about moral victories that much. But giving up one goal only, um, you know what? We applaud you.
1: Build off of that and come back home and uh, create some more dubs. Yeah, hopefully they can maintain the top of the standings in the Big West, so that was kind of uh, un- unfortunate for Saturday, even though they won on Thursday. Third thing you need to know, we haven't talked about it yet, but the Miami Dolphins are no longer undefeated, and after scoring 70 points with Denver the week before, Miami scores 50 points. That doesn't sound good that way. They lose 48-20 to, to Buffalo and Tua Tongo Vailoa, 25-35, 282 yards, one interception. He did get sacked, I believe, three times in this game uh so uh, four times in this game so that was a little bit unfortunate where the weeks before i know he didn't get sacked at all against denver
0: yeah hey buffalo's a good football team that's their conference to lose i wanted to get to one that you didn't mention Gary, Is it was an historic day for lahaina luna in football uh lahaina luna ba- uh, went back after the wildfires they played their first game back and uh i know that we covered it via social media and a ton of reaction uh, on the social media we broadcast the game here on espn honolulu it was a blowout 42 to nothing but if there was going to be a blowout and we saw a lot of them in high school football if it is going to be a blowout uh it's fitting that it was the lunas
1: of lahaina luna Yeah, and everybody, obviously, uh, in tribute for Lahaina Luna, really pulling for them. Even the Baldwin fans, I understand, were wearing their Baldwin colors, but on those shirts it said Lahaina. So they were obviously feeling for Lahaina. I know they had a moment of silence before the game. And I can just imagine what the emotions were like. And you kind of read about them over the weekend. But that was, uh, it was good for Lahaina Luna to get back on the field, A. And in their five-game season, to get a shutout to start was pretty cool. Their first, or first home game coming up late October will also be against Baldwin. Yeah, that game was at uh, War Memorial. And those are three things you need to know. Uh, well,
0: one of, one of the big things I thought might have been UH football.
1: I, I did mention that. <laughs> I, I did mention that as one of the things you need to know.
0: And that was a, a game. Hey, you know what? I'm always thankful to go up uh, to Las Vegas. It's it's so much fun. And thank you to all the nice, kind people who uh, came up and uh, was chatting with us, whether you're in the elevators or whatever. Uh, the Cal, I, I thought um, – We were supposed to have a PA system for our show, and that never showed up, even after, you know, three or four days. Uh, So we apologize about that. We were told that we would be provided, you know, some kind of sound system for you to hear us during the radio shows in Kanoa and stuff like that. But that was the best trip because we were able to bring everybody up, from Hunter Hughes to Kanoa Leahy to, uh, you know, everybody was there and representing ESPN Honolulu. A lot of our uh, support staff
1: got to go, and it was a fun trip. It's always a fun trip going to Las Vegas. It would have been a little bit more fun if Hawaii were to win that game, but still, right. it was a fun week. Great meeting a lot of people, uh, fans, and people associated with the station over the week there. That was good.
0: It wasn't it? Isn't this now? What is? I saw the stat, or I don't know where I saw it this morning, but the home team has won now 13 of the last 15 of these games. I don't remember yeah. seeing that, but it makes 13 sense. Thirteen of fifteen, like that. Yeah. the home team is one. That, UH sends out these um, press releases. It says uh, the home team has won thirteen of the last fifteen matchups. Huh.
1: Well, we get them here next year, I guess. So that's one. Thing that's right. To. <laughs> there
0: you go. Because if it's on paper, it's what's going to happen. Uh, Hawaii, though, still looking for their first, uh, first road victory. I like the fact that uh, uh, the coaching staff is staying on the mainland to recruit but not just that but to recruit um junior college players i think it's they good need to have some a mix. help they need some help right away Def- on both lines they, they really do. do for those skilled players on both lines yeah. i'm joking because someone said i anyway
1: go ahead <laughs> There, and I, now you're giving them credit, which you didn't do the opposite of what somebody thought earlier. But yeah, for the offensive line, I am curious to see what they do to fix that, whether it's for the rest of the season if they move guys around or just for the upcoming season. Because they know that, they see what everybody else sees, of course. And that is something that needs to, and I'm sure it is addressed, but to me fixed a little bit because you do have success. You do have some talent in the backfield. You do have talent at the wide receiver spot. And Braden Shager, I think, is better than what his numbers might show when jerry jones started um becoming the gm uh,
0: for the dallas cowboys they had great skilled position players but he was building a fantasy football team so if i'm playing fantasy football there's a lot of guys on hawaii that make sense but the true way to build a championship team is from the inside out is from your line on the defense and the offense now we have John Tui Tupou, I mean, that guy is a stud, but he can't do it all by himself. You'll see flashes of Kahahawai Welch and some of these other guys. But Hawaii is just, that they need help. And, you know, the injuries don't help, of course, um, on both sides of the, you know, ball. But Hawaii just, it just comes down to it. You've got to build those offensive and
1: defensive lines. And again, I think the defense, I I'm, I, th- I think they have talent there. Obviously, the defensive line has been letting up a lot of yards via the run uh, more than maybe we expected. And there are some games this year where they actually did a pretty decent job, but to see UNLV run for 307 yards, that I, I did not expect that. no, I know they had some good running backs, and they were going to run the ball more than they were going to pass. That was a little surprising. And hopefully in the bye week, whether it's getting guys healthier or just doing some different schemes, that'll help. As far as the injuries, though, I mean, everybody's got injuries. I don't think we have a really high amount, although you're losing maybe your best defensive player in Logan Taylor, but I don't think you'll have a higher amount than maybe some other teams, especially with getting some guys back lately as well, but that is always part of the deal as well, is how many guys are out and how significant those losses are and if you can make up for that.
0: Right, but when your best guys are out and you don't have enough good players, that's where it hurts somebody like the University of Hawaii. Remember... Timmy Chang is still building this team. He's not done yet. Uh, it's, uh, some of these other teams who are more established, they can afford to have their team, you know, their guys banged up. If it's just as much as UH, they've got more guys who can fill the gap. I think
1: in Hawaii, we're not there yet. No, they're not. They're not. But I, I don't. I wouldn't use injuries as an excuse for No, not using an excuse. I'm not saying the excuse you. I'm saying is, some, you know. Okay. If anybody yeah, brings up injuries, uh, again, and again, they're there. But, again, I don't think it's a higher amount. And even though maybe other teams have more depth, still, that's not the reason they have struggled as times as they have. And hopefully they can still make up for it. It's still, again, we're at the midpoint of the season early in conference play. It would have been great to get that win or at least be more competitive. Uh, Maybe with a bye week, that will help set the tone for San Diego State coming in in a couple of weeks.
0: Yeah. I I mean, when you look at why Hawaii's losing and you're looking, uh, you know, one-third down conversion – an entire football game, all the three and outs. All that goes back, sorry, goes back to the offensive line. You can't blame the the quarterback or the wide receiver. You can't even blame the running back or the play calls. I mean, if if you're executing, you're going to have success. So having the ball for two minutes, for two minutes in the second quarter is where the game got away from Hawaii. Oh, we tried to come back, but we couldn't. So on the, uh, the defense, they couldn't stop the run right up the middle, right up the gut. On the offense,
1: three and out. You'll lose every single time. Yeah, I mean, the thing is three and outs are bad. The two minutes, as you mentioned, is incredible when you see a disparity like that. But if you get one first down, one first down or at least one first down conversion, that makes a big difference as far as the time of possession. And maybe you extend drives and keep them off the field. So they didn't help the defense by the offense going three and out too often.
0: Yeah, I don't know how much a a difference it makes now with the new, uh, the way they run the clocks in college football, where they don't stop the clock from going out of bounds. So it really depends. But hey, you know what? This is where, you know, we're building. It's uh we're 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 building a team. I'm not going to make excuses. It wasn't a great game. Hawaii can't seem to score much more than 20 points a game. And it's the same problem we had last uh last year, right? What do we score 24 points a game? Yeah. So, you know, if you're scoring 20 points, you're not going to beat You know what? You're not going to beat New Mexico
1: by scoring 20 points, giving up six sacks, right? Probably not. Probably not. And I, I hope that's not the norm. They did score 31 against Hugh Albany. And, you know, I know it's an FCS Well, why school. was that? Yes. But, but they've, got, they've got to get better at that. Still, they find themselves in these games. I'm again going back to Saturday. Down 30 to 20, that game was within reach. And it seemed like they had a little momentum building. And uh, that didn't last long enough, obviously. Uh,
0: no, because we got a penalty and we shot ourselves in the foot. And they quickly scored after that. So you, you, there was hope. Hey, you know what? It's the fourth quarter, and we're only down by ten. What does that sound like?
1: Well, what, what,
0: it, it's a, it, it's a, as a fan, and you're watching that, you're not like, yeah, we got them within ten. There's twelve minutes left. We got them right where we want them. No, now, I think they, you they, said that they, 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 they quickly, they quickly shut the door. We had momentum going for about thirty seconds until they got the ball back.
1: It is It is what it is. Uh, somebody texting, texting in via the, the Zephyr Insurance text line, we may be the bottom of the Mountain West. I think they may be the bottom feeder or be at the bottom. I don't know if I would go there yet. I mean, in, as far as conference play, it's still early. I still would put New Mexico probably down there. Nevada is obviously the worst team in the conference, I think, when you look at everything that they haven't accomplished. They are pretty, pretty bad right now. But Hawaii okay. hasn't, you know, been, they're not even middle of the pack yet. But again, there's still, that's one conference game. I don't throw, I don't look at their overall record when I'm thinking who's better in the Mountain West and other teams because the non-conference schedules are so different. They still have a chance to do something in this conference and they're going to have to win their home games. And you remember they don't play Fresno. They don't play Boise a little bit favorable in that aspect, but they're going to have to improve their play to get some of these wins. I still have confidence in this team and we'll see how many more wins they get than the three from last year hopefully it will be more and I really believe it will but I wouldn't write this team off yet there's been some struggles yes but let's see what they can do with the bye week uh getting healthier and maybe try to turn this thing around at least slowly you know Nevada also when you talk about
0: the struggles that Nevada is having I mean they played uh USC they played Kansas they played Fresno State now they did lose by nine to Texas State and they got blown out against Idaho, 33 to six. Uh, so they have had a real tough schedule uh, as well. I mean, they've you know USC, Kansas, and Fresno State. Hawaii's had you know Oregon and who was our Stanford, Oregon? And Vanderbilt. Yeah, and USC and Kansas a little bit above as far as competitiveness than Stanford and Vanderbilt this year. But anyway, it's 17 minutes after the hour major league baseball postseason is here and you'll have all the action on espn honolulu we have a guest from usa today to get into that and want to let you know again if you want to play pigskin picks and possibly win a thousand dollars in cash go to espn honolulu.com it's brought to you by m dyer global and young's fish market we'll be right back Hey, before we bring on our next guest, I want to let you know about uh, something going on at ESPNHonolulu.com as well. It's called Athletes with Cole Mausolf." Cole sits down with uh, local student athletes and talks story over some great grinds. You can check it out on our website. It's brought to you by
1: Central Pacific Bank, Hawaii's best bank. And we're going to talk some Major League Baseball with the playoffs. The wild card round does start tomorrow with four games. Joining us now on ESPN Honolulu, he covers MLB for USA Today Sports. Back with us, Gabe Blacks. Gabe, great to have you on. And before we talk about the matchup starting tomorrow, I want to get your take on some of the teams that just fell a little bit short of making the playoffs. The Cubs, I really felt going into the last week, had an excellent chance of making it in. Maybe even Cincinnati, they both fall short. And in the American League, you had Seattle that really kind of controlled their own destiny, but it didn't work out for them as well.
4: Yeah, just a little, not quite enough offense, I think, for Seattle. Uh, really uneven offensively. Really great pitching depth. Uh, uh, yeah, it uh, it was interesting to see uh, the Rangers rough up Luis Castillo in what was a really key game there in game 161, and a night they ended up being eliminated. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's uh it always just seems like Seattle doesn't quite really, really go for it. And they, they end up, uh, right around 88 to 91 wins every year. Uh, twice in the last three years, that was not enough to make the playoffs last year. They did get in. Uh, so it's, uh, yeah, a little bit, uh, surely of a, of a disappointment there for Seattle, especially when you figure they wanted to build on last year, advancing to the ALDS, uh, yeah, and, uh, you know, Cubs and Cubs and Reds, both kind of similarly, not enough depth. Uh, I think, uh, you know, the, the Cubs played a little bit above their head at certain times this year and then maybe, uh, you know, maybe exposed just a little bit down the stretch there. Interesting, um, you know, interesting core there, uh, you know, with, with the, the club kind of forming around Danby Swanson, who had a really good year, not a not a really boffo year offensively, but really great defensively brought a lot of value to the team. Uh, you kind of assume they're probably going to lose Cody Bellinger, uh, mm. just headed to free agency. Now really remade himself nicely, uh, kind of a, you know, down ballot MVP candidate kind of guy. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be tricky for them going forward. And then also, uh, you know, Marcus Stroman has an opt out. That's uh, that's going to be interesting to see if he exercises that after he uh, he was hurt a little bit down the stretch. So, um, twelve team field, and uh, yeah, it's. It's always pretty disappointing when you're one of the ones that doesn't get in because there's certainly plenty of tickets
1: available. And you fell just a little bit short. You don't often see a team get in the way Arizona did. Uh, They were in position all week long and basically all season long, but they lose their last four regular season games in a row, yet they still get into the wild card, and their reward is to play Milwaukee tomorrow night.
4: Yeah, kind of an overmatch situation on paper you know you're you're looking at Brandon Fat the rookie uh is going to be starting game 1 uh for the uh for the Diamondbacks uh, uh, against former Cy Young award winner uh, Corbin Burns and that's a uh, that's going to be a really tough spot for them really really weird season for the Diamondbacks off to such a great start uh <laughs> you know i think they won uh like uh, 48 of their first 70 something like that um and then just a couple really rough patches as you mentioned at the very end of the season uh then it kind of got hot there at the start of september uh but uh again fading down the stretch uh, again the second season does bring a little bit of a fresh start they will have zach gallon for game two uh but uh really starting uphill because they had to expend every last ounce of uh of their starting pitching to get in the playoffs, and even then didn't win those games. So it's going to be really tough. Uh, Milwaukee's a really sneaky good team, a really good bullpen, uh, and it's, uh, it's it's going to be really tough. That that, that would certainly be a pretty big upset uh, if if that were to occur. To the extent upsets can happen in wild in the wild card series, just because it's best two out of three. So sometimes the you know the best team doesn't necessarily win. But uh, that's uh, that to me looks like the the most lopsided of the four uh, the four wild
1: card matchups. We're talking Major League Baseball playoffs. Gabe Lacks from USA Today Sports joining us on ESPN, Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. You are in the city of brotherly love, that being Philadelphia. Miami and Philadelphia, I think, is a great matchup. And for Philadelphia, you may be expected after last year's World Series appearance. But for Miami, with all the turmoil and roster movement, you got to give them a lot of credit for what they did this season and now in that wild card
4: yeah they really, really did and really nice job by uh Kim Aang, the first uh, woman to to be GM of a of a major league team. Uh, you bring in Jake Berber and you bring in Josh Bell at the trade deadline and uh you know that uh, just both of those guys really buttressed the lineup uh, really kind of kind of an interesting theme in Miami the last several years relatively pitching deep uh, and then just not enough offense and they finally kind of kind of solved that problem a little bit this year uh, with, with some of the guys they brought in. And uh, uh, it's, yeah, really going to be playing with nothing to lose. Uh, it, kind of a nice team built for the playoffs just because uh, Luis Arise, the man can hit. you know. And at this point in the playoffs, you don't necessarily need a guy uh, with a great OPS that's buttressed by a strong on-base percentage um, because the pitching is so good. The pitching is more precise. You're facing better pitchers. Uh, so you need guys that can hit you need guys that can advance the baseball that can move guys along So that's a I think the the Marlins are a really intriguing team in that fashion. Just because you've got your uh, Arises uh, you got an old pro like Joey Wendell up there uh, Jazz Chisholm uh, brings a, a really great dynamic uh, to the uh, to the Lineups and athleticism. Jesus Sanchez had a pretty good year uh, And then you know Jorge Soler can hit the ball out of a ballpark so um, going to be tough without Sandy Alcantara uh, just because he's right. uh, he's got a you know forearm situation but uh, they can piece it together but uh, again pretty prohibitive underdogs just because the the Phillies are so locked and loaded they clinched really early uh, they're determined to go an extra step and they know they have to sweep to uh, put themselves in good position to take on Atlanta which is uh, lurking around the corner so that's a, that's a really fun really fun series and uh, when when two division rivals get together in the playoffs uh, you know there's no secrets and it's uh, you know it's kind of all of uh, you know I hate to say throughout the records, but uh, that's kind of the situation. These guys are plenty familiar with each other.
1: In the American League, the matchup that really intrigues me the most is Texas and Tampa Bay, partly because both teams spent the majority of the season in first place. Well, maybe not the majority, but for a while they did. Baltimore obviously had a great year with 101 wins, taking over for Tampa, and the AL West was up for grabs really until about 24 hours ago. Who do you like in this matchup?
4: Yeah, I uh, I think the Rays. You know, I I, I get I get the feeling there's a chance the Rangers are still going to be a little shell shocked uh, because they, uh, you know, they finished the year. uh, I think they lost uh, lost four of seven on a season-ending road trip. They lost three out of four at Seattle, yet still uh, clinched a playoff berth. And then they're not able to even score a run in Game One sixty-two, and suddenly. Instead of going home and getting a few days off, you're on a you're on a flight to Tampa and having to face a team that's just so tough because they come at you in waves. Uh, you know, it's always the you know the the total you know the total sum of their parts as opposed to one guy. So I do like Tampa in this. Uh, it's uh, obviously so many injuries uh, from the pitching staff on down, and of course the situation with Wander Franco. He's you know he's not going to be back this year for sure, uh, and they're, they're you know they're piecing together a bunch of a bunch of rookies, a bunch of second year guys uh, to try to make up the uh, you know make up the difference. So it's going to be really interesting to see Junior Caminero, their number one prospect. He's going to you know get some key at bats. He's probably going to play third base, uh, and then Isaac Paredes, uh, really great season, uh, second year guy Jonathan Aranda, another second year guy. Uh again, it comes down to pitching. Can Zach Eflin and Tyler Glasnow, uh, sort of hold down the fort after all those pitching injuries? But, again, still a really good bullpen. Pete Fairbanks really dominant on the back end. So I think the, I think the Rays have been prepared for this scenario, and I think they're going to come in hot. And, uh, you know, the, the Rangers kind of got to regroup, kind of got to hope that, uh, you know, their big fellows at the, at the top of the lineup, Simeon and Seager, And uh, Nathaniel Lowe, the former Ray, uh, you kind of hope that those guys run into one, you know, maybe uh, a three run homer can really (laughs) switch the narrative really quickly in a short playoff series. So that's, uh, you know, I I think they need some sort of lightning to strike to kind of wake them up. But on paper, and as it stands, I do like Tampa Bay to advance.
1: I know we're a few weeks away from this possible matchup, but I want to get your take, Gabe, on if Baltimore and the Houston Astros meet. The Astros, obviously, with Dusty Baker winning a World Series, they've got all those experienced players, especially in the playoffs, winning the division every year, seemingly. The Baltimore Orioles, a few years ago, were losing about 100 games. Now they win 101. I don't know how playoff-tested they might be. What about the inexperience versus the experience come late October?
2: Right. No, it's, uh, I'm not too concerned about the uh, experience
4: factor as it relates to the Orioles, uh, really impressive, uh, stretch there to clinch the AL East, uh, to clinch a playoff berth. Then the AL East. They had a huge four game showdown with the Rays. The Rays win the first two to tie the division. And then the Orioles battle back to win the last two. Then they go into Houston and win two out of three uh right after that and uh you know shortly thereafter about a week after that clinched the division so i think these guys are really battle tested uh a bunch of players who took their lumps in the al east over the years and then the last two seasons were in playoff contention this year obviously as a you know as a a really live dog and now suddenly the the number one seed uh if tampa does advance that's going to be tricky for baltimore just because it's a once again, it's, it's kind of your, uh, you know, it's almost like a sibling rivalry. You know, the Rays and the O's, uh, you know, AL East rivals. Uh, <laughs> maybe not rivals over the course of several years because it's, it's been a while since they've both been really good. But uh, that's going to be a really tricky three out of five. But I do like the, the Orioles against Houston just because the, uh, the pitching depth has gotten a lot better in Baltimore. Even with Felix Bautista out, there's three guys you kind of need to look at. Uh, that people may not even know about, um, and that would be John Means coming back from Tommy John surgery. Uh, DL Hall is going to be a, a lefty coming out of the bullpen. Really, uh, really was impressive the last couple weeks. And then Tyler Wells, he was on an innings limit. He was their number one starter. They had to send him down to the minors just to kind of you know keep his innings down and refresh him, and uh, and he is back as a reliever. Kind of looks like he'll be their closer, but he could also be a two-inning, a three-inning guy if they need it. So I really like the totality of Baltimore's pitching staff, and I think uh, I think they will absolutely give Houston all they can handle if those guys do meet in the ALCS.
1: Well, October is what happens with baseball playoffs start, and we got about three, four weeks of some exciting games and great matchups. Gabe, enjoy your time in Philadelphia, and it should be a fun October and a playoff run leading to the World Series.
4: All right, appreciate it. It's going to be a long month, but a fun month for
1: Yes, definitely. Thank you so much. Gabe Lacks from USA Today Sports joining us on ESPN Honolulu, and we'll have a lot of baseball coverage, four games in the wild card round, all starting tomorrow. Uh, There we go. Sorry. Uh, You can hear that on our family
0: of stations uh, this season, ESPN Honolulu and uh, CBS Fifteen hundred. Now you can catch UH and NFL football at eight fifty Craft Beer and Whiskey Bar at Leeward Bowl. They're open bright and early Sundays at six a.m. for all the NFL games. Also uh, check it out on your way home for Monday and Thursday night football. And uh, for UH games, they got special uh, like these awesome uh, menu specials you're gonna love. It's the home of the new video wall, eight fifty Craft Beer and Whiskey Bar at Leeward Bowl, the place for UH. College and NFL football. Y'all in life was sharp and clear.
2: Can you see me now? Hawaiian eyes, can you see me lost? From paradise, there were so many ways to go,
0: so many things to know, and I missed you inside Thank you guys for listening today. We'll go into the uh, Zephyr. Insurance text line at 808 296 1420. And uh, if you're just uh, turning on the radio and you haven't heard the news yet, sad news today. Uh, Russ Francis has passed away in a plane crash uh, in New York. So that's kind of uh, kind of a doing the show with a little bit of a heavy heart. But hopefully we can uh, kind of salute Russ Francis in some way. He was such a big sports hero for us here in Hawaii. And uh, speaking of that, uh, somebody texted in and said, I called the offensive lineman unskilled. So what I was saying in the beginning of the show was that um, before guys like Russ Francis, the you know, I called it a skill position, right? Because that's what pe- they're known as. People who touch the ball are known as a skilled position. I did not say that. I said before that we had guys like Charlie Anay and Rockne Freitas, who are all our heroes were offensive linemen. And not once did I say those guys were unskilled. I mean, Charlie Anay played in the league for 10 years. He was an all-pro 10 years. That's skill. But somebody keeps texting saying I'm not remembering right or whatever. But uh, thank you very much uh, for listening. We do appreciate it. Animals. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Gary.
1: No, nothing. Just nothing.
0: Okay. Uh, the college football, college football caught up with the run and shoot. With all the spread offense, hurry ups. The need for speed is needed on the defensive side, not like BYU linebackers covering slots. And there was somebody, and if anybody remembers this play during the UNLV game, there was a guy. It was, I was either number thirteen or twenty-eight, and I believe one of those guys was hurt. It didn't even play, but I don't remember who it was. But the um, running back from UNLV kind of blasted through the line, and he's running downfield, and all of a sudden it's like the roadrunner catching up with a coyote. One of our DBs chased this guy down from behind.
1: Who am I thinking of? I'm not sure because there were so many times that UNLV running backs were back in the backfield, Right, uh, but I'm not sure no, about but what that one play.
0: No, they weren't in the backfield. The backfield would be a negative run. They were running four. there were 20 yards well, the down secondary, the field, the secondary, yeah. and the UH guy caught up with him from behind. I wish uh, I maybe someone can text in if they remember what I'm remembering, because it only happened once, but it was pretty cool. Uh, do you think that college football has caught up with um,
1: spread offenses and hurry ups? I don't think so. I'm not sure if it's caught up is the right phrase, but it mm-hmm. seems like, you know, when June Jones ran the run and shoot, nobody could prepare for it effectively. And it was so unique in that not many schools ran it. Now with, I guess, more schools running a version of that or the West Coast, that maybe it's not as successful because teams are aware of it and practice against it and play against it more often.
0: Well, you can't say nobody caught up with it. It's, it, it I mean, it has a lot to do with the talent on the field. Because they certainly caught up with it in two, the year 2000 when we went 3-9, and nine, right?
1: Yeah, you could say that, I guess, yeah. And, again, talent makes all the difference in the world, so sure. John Veneri touched on a great point. Their offense is too
0: predictable most times. This is a texter from the 348. There should be some players in motion, misdirection plays, etc. All the receivers are running routes that are too far downfield. So Shager is waiting too long for the play to develop. There were times they only needed three yards for a first down, but they're going for a deep pass. They have great talent, but too undecisive with play calling. Almost every time, Shager is looking at the sideline with 10 seconds left with a confused look on his face. They need to attack quicker. If they do, they'll score more. I'm going to watch for that. I uh, never really kind of watched uh, Braden Shager uh, looking you know, for that sideline.
1: Well, you're looking at the sideline. I'm not sure if you can tell that he's confused sometimes. You see, I mean, I mean, so like I think Anthony Richardson yesterday had a great game. You know, you're trying to make sure you get the play call right. So you might have an expression. I don't know if he's confused necessarily. Uh, but also I think when the defense knows that you need three yards for a first, first down, every now and then you take a shot. And I think sometimes it'll work, but I think it's smart to do that sometimes. To me, at least, in my opinion, I don't have a problem with the play calling. I don't know if it's very predictable. I mean, they went with the flea flicker in that third quarter and resulted in a touchdown. They've used a shovel pass play. here and there, but it worked to a touchdown. That, and then, that was one play. But it was one also a touchdown. Well, yeah, and,
0: and I see that, but I think what – and I'm not defending anybody. I'm just saying I understand what he's saying because an expert like John Veneri mentioned that the same thing, and that's the first time we've kind of – heard it so it's
1: kind of something interesting to ponder a little bit yeah, I, again, I, I don't have a problem with the play calling and maybe some things you know what they're going to do, but I think also you're mixing it up with so many different running backs and receivers. It's hard to maybe key on just one guy. I would think a lot of uh, defenses are going to key on McBride and Ashlock, though, more so every week with what they've done. But, right. I, I again, you could, it, I don't think it's that predictable where it's hurting Hawaii as much, but I guess at times it does look like similar plays. But, I, again, I like the fact that they have mixed it up again with that flea flicker as one example, and they said they've been holding on to that for a while. while they had the right opportunity to use it and it worked
0: yeah and uh you know i don't know enough about about the the sport to actually claim that they're good or they're not good play calls or anything but at the same time uh if it's a third down and three and you got a team that has proven all season long that you can't run the ball hey and the, the biggest weakness of unlv we knew going in and we witnessed in that game Were their defensive backs. So I can see why that play call was called. I mean, third and three, yeah, run the ball. But I mean, what's our average on rushes? 1.8 or something like that?
1: I hope it's, I think it's a little bit more than that, but probably not much more.
0: Somebody says, we may be the bottom of the Mountain West.
1: We We read that one earlier, yeah. Oh, you read it already? Sorry, Gary.
0: Yeah, I mean, it it could be. But that's why I brought Uh, up Nevada.
1: That's when I brought up Nevada being at the bottom.
0: Well, we don't know until we play Nevada,
1: right? Uh, well, I think they. I think clearly they are the bottom team in the con- in the conference. They haven't won a game, and you can say they've had a somewhat tough schedule. They've also had a couple of games where they probably could have or should have won. Like which one? Texas State as one. Texas State's a good football program. They they are. Or am I thinking of North Texas? Which one am I thinking of? This year, I don't know anything about Texas State that would signify that they're supposed to be better than Nevada. You know, you would think they were supposed to be showing some signs of improvement. They were really bad last year with the new coach. And they had a lot of turnover. Yeah, like a lot of teams, including Hawaii. But they looked really, really bad this year. I think it was a mm-hmm. 33-6. to six. You said they lost to Idaho as well.
0: Yeah, that one was bad. I, I did mention that. But you know what? We're up against the clock. Uh, L.A. Ralph is on the phone. Uh, let's take one from Ralph real quick, and we'll uh, go to a, a break. Hi, Ralph.
5: Hey, morning, guys. Hey, I had Ralph. to work that day. I had to work Saturday. I was listening to you guys all the way. And the momentum kind of, you know, just went away from the, the Bulls in the, the first quarter. But, you know, they're the the game plan was to go long because that was UNLV's uh, deficiency in the long ball, defending the long ball. Yeah. But that's why we had all the sacks, you know, you know what I mean? And then on the, on the defensive side, Maiavo didn't have a good start and we missed like a couple to three interceptions, you know, that, that really would have changed momentum early. You know what I mean? But, you know, a DBs with Mr. Ball or, or you know, and uh, you know, <laughs> listen to every play by, You know, you each could have had them, but it's just, it's going to come around. And to the text that says we're the bottom of the West, so what? Try to be more positive. And the other one says the run and shoot is obsolete. You know what? It's going to come around, bro. This was the best offense in Hawaii history. If you guys get positive fans and not fair weather fans like you guys texting in, wake up. <laughs> <laughs> get on the hood okay. bro right on. thanks
0: ralph thank thanks. you for thanks for calling in texas state by the way is uh they are four and one on the season this year we'll be right back on espn honolulu kanoa Leahy will be back style. tomorrow dave kawada filling in on Let's talk sports today. And the Off the Bench crew is coming on this afternoon at 3 o'clock here on ESPN Honolulu. Time to t- hand out some helmet stickers. And uh, if I have a helmet sticker, I'm giving it to um, I'm giving it to Stephen
1: McBride.
0: He finished with – you're laughing? Well,
1: it's the only one I have
0: for as well. Stephen McBride finished with 205 all-purpose yards. He had a 25-yard punt return in the third quarter. So this is the uh, this is the sound. Slapping a helmet sticker on for Stephen McBride. Six catches, a career-high 180 yards, and a touchdown.
1: Yeah, to me, I don't think anybody else deserved one on Saturday. It was definitely Stephen McBride, and that's it for me. I'm going to give Isaiah Tufanga a helmet sticker as well.
0: Uh, he had a career-high 10 tackles. Uh, in that game, so I give Tufunga a uh, helmet sticker. Jalen Smith, in his first career start, also had 10 tackles. I give Jalen Smith a helmet sticker. You got, t- I mean, the defense didn't play great, but those two guys sure did. 20 tackles uh, between the two of
1: them. Good numbers right there, but I think, again, the way the defense missed so many tackles or let so many big plays up, it's hard for me to give out any helmet stickers on Saturday.
0: Oh, to to, uh, to to funga yeah i didn't see him miss any i didn't see him miss any tackles but yeah maybe he could i think maybe everybody probably missed a few tackles here and there but i mean jalen smith we've heard all about the athleticism that he has and all the stuff he's done in practice it's like um it's like uh, chris brown was just waiting 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 okay and he finally gets his chance to start in this game and he showed up big time You can see the athleticism. That's something to be kind of positive about, I think.
1: Yeah, I mean, and I know, you know, people bring up, well, there's some positive things from this game. I I think we're kind of past that in a way right now. I mean, if you're Mm. playing a school like Oregon, maybe you look for some positives. But in conference play, the the biggest positive is a W. And unless you're getting that, um, it's hard to be overly excited about some of the individuals. But I do think there was something that stood out. Again, McBride, to me, that really was exceptional. And he's done it pretty much all season long. With those numbers, these are the best numbers he's had, sure. But, uh, I, I mean, you, you want W's more than positive uh, take out of a game, especially in a loss. All right, uh, last few texts. Craig uh,
0: texted in. and He reminds us that the Texas State head coach is G.J. Kinney and the wide receiver coach slash passing game coordinator is Greg Stutzman. Uh, he says they're 4-1 and one so far. Yeah, but they're 4-1 and one with a win over Baylor on the road. Texas State, look out for them. Go go, uh, local boys, even though G.J. Kinney's not local-local. But, hey, there's Hawaii ties. We claim him. Uh, Another text about Stutzman and Kinney uh, at Texas State. Uh, Somebody else says here that um, you can run any offense and do it well enough to win. However, physical superiority will have a big part in its challenges as well as greater experience. Our players need to develop or we need to recruit better. That's from Mike thank you, Mike. You know you could say that but um, a lot of times that's not the case and you'll have Air Force be a really good team. They're not athletically superior usually than anybody. It's the offense that they run. Now this year they happen to be playing some great defense yes and that's why they're probably favored to win the whole mountain West.
1: although I wouldn't put I'm not sure if they are favored over Fresno State, but those are clearly the two best teams in the conference.
0: Uh, we did get a text that uh, uh, hey Barney, thanks for the text. I see you. Um, they when the the news uh, teams talked about Russ Francis passing away, he says nobody in, uh, talked about him being involved in wrestling uh, wrestling here in Hawaii. Well, we're all about that. We mentioned that earlier uh, as uh, Russ Francis. As after his playing careers, he was him and Billy Francis for a lot of fun to watch.
1: Yeah, I've heard some of those stories over the years and just, yeah, so many great memories from Russ Francis. Yeah, all
0: right. Well, uh, again, just a reminder, there's no call. There's no, I keep calling it call the coach. There's no Timmy Timmy Chang show uh, today. The coaches, and I think a great move, the coaches are staying on the mainland and recruiting a bunch of uh, different junior colleges. So uh, no coaches show this week will resume next wednesday a week from wednesday at ruby tuesday out at moanalua uh thank you very much for listening and we'll see you tomorrow morning at seven o'clock here on espn honolulu 92.7 fm and 1420 a.m